0: Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker, Jacqueline Palmer. This season is a study of Colossians. Read it, study it, and live it. Here's Jacqueline. Colossians chapter one. For the third time, Colossians chapter one. I'm excited. Like, I am way excited. I love this book. absolutely love the letter of Paul to the Colossae. Before we get into our study, I never do announcements because Pamela covers them all so well. Um, But if I can, just as a sister, let you know that I teach from the ESV anytime I teach, unless I'm guest speaking and the church is like, can you use, then I'll use whatever they use. But here at Women Inseparable, I use (coughs) ESV. Whatever version you have is wonderful it's great. The Word of God is the Word of God is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit can speak to you and through you through His Word. There were people that studied the Word of God before King James Version was written. Imagine that. Some people wrote and read and studied the letter by the hand of Paul. There is no version. It was the hand of Paul that wrote a letter to another person. Let us not get caught up on versions. Can I say that as a sister? Let us read the Word of God collectively. Colossians chapter 1. We did four weeks of reading this book. Then we did four weeks of studying this book. Today you've already kick-started how to live this book. You just did that. Partly at this point I feel like there's nothing, there's no words needed. You just watched what Colossians 1 tells us to do. That's what you just did. This is who we are as women inseparable, isn't it? We know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We know that the Holy Spirit is in us, and we know that God the Father hears our prayers and He answers them. You just did that. Colossians 1. I'm gonna read a few verses. Verse 5. Colossians 1, 5 says, Because of the hope, hmm, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, this you have heard. This that you heard went before you in the word of the truth. What you heard is the word of the truth is the gospel. The gospel has come to you as indeed it has come to the whole world. And that gospel that you've heard, that gospel that has come to you is bearing fruit and it's increasing. It's what you just did. It's the evidence of what's spilling out of you simply from reading the Word of God, simply by studying the Word of God, it's made alive in you as if you can't even contain it anymore. It just spills out. And it's not because you try and you strive and you stand up and you go and you perform and you shine and you do, but because you read and somebody says to you, I need prayer and you say, let's pray. That's the word of God alive in you. That's letting the word of God dwell richly within you. That's the book of Colossians. And it's not that you're reading it as a letter or you're not reading it as words to receive. It's words that have been etched specifically on your heart so that when you open your mouth, when you spread out your hands, when you move your feet, it spills out of you as if you are the very author and owner of these words. That's who you are has the power of Jesus in you. If I may, Heavenly Father, Lord God, there has been prayer that has been laid before your throne in different pockets and different corners around this room today. The conversations that have been lifting up girlfriends throughout this room this morning is overwhelming to me, how much we cling to you as our Father in prayer How much our eyes are open and seeking your hand so we can see the evidence of who you are and what you do. We thank you so much for doing what you've promised to do and how you always go before and how you always hold all things together. Thank you. Thank you that we're a part of that. I pray that you'll be with us as we look at Colossians 1 and how to live the Word of God. Grow us Heavenly Father, help us to root ourselves even more and establish our faith even more in the Word of God. Help us to step aside so that the Holy Spirit, who is already within us, can live through us, not because of us, but because of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you'll answer the prayers that have been prayed this morning. And I pray that your word, your word alone, will be the only thing spoken, the only thing we hear on our hearts, in our minds, and within our very soul. We pray for those girls that are listening to this video, that are listening to this audio. I pray right now that your hand is upon her. Hold her, cherish her, go before her, and hold her things together in your hand. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Together we say amen. amen. Colossians 1. I was re-listening to the the videos. I listened to read it, Colossians 1. And it was kind of humorous as I was read, watching it because I didn't have much memory of what was said. So I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that is so good. And it's not not me. Mm-hmm. This is what happened. I taught that on a Thursday morning. That Monday before that, I was not well, Tuesday I was worse, Wednesday I was laying on my tile floor in pain and fever and I was bad. My team knew this. My team was praying. My team was also planning what they were going to do in my absence. Who's going to teach? Who's going to cover? What are we going to do? And they just banded together and they created this dynamite plan. It wasn't until 830. I want to say it was about 830 that next morning, Thursday morning, that my team knew if I was going to be able to make it or not. I went to bed, a disaster, woke up feeling great, took some counsel. We prayed. I came, I showed up at 10 or maybe even 1005 taught scripture, went home, my body crashed. I was in the hospital the next day, having an emergency procedure. When I was listening to this video this week and listening to our lesson that we did collectively on Colossians 1, 15 through 18 and 19 and saying how God goes before and how God holds all things together. I'm sitting here thinking what happened that week and how God literally went before his word, the very word that he wrote through Paul in prison. He sweetly spoke through my words while I was in the middle of awfulness. not that amazing? I was a little blown away what he can do through the power of just reading the Word of God. And then we went to Colossians 1 again and we studied it and we asked our questions. And those are good. Mm-hmm. I pray that you hold on to those questions and use those question guides. We were talking on our We Online this week, beautiful dialogue, talking about what... You're studying this week and different passages were thrown out. And I didn't hear one um, book study thrown out. It was all scripture. I'm studying this scripture and I'm studying this scripture and I have this passage on my heart and I'm thinking about this verse and I can't stop thinking about the words of this verse. And I loved that. My question for you this morning is what are you studying? Many of us could say Colossians. But above Colossians, what else are you studying and whatever it is you're studying, whether it's a word or a verse or a scripture or a passage or a book, are you asking questions? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, we can get you question guides. We have um, a list, ask questions. And even if you don't have the list, you have a brain, ask questions. The questions that are on your heart, ask them. Like, But that's a weird question. Perfect. This is your study, Mm -hmm. that's you and Jesus and His Word alive in you. Steady the Word of God. Here we are again in Colossians 1 and we're going to live it. We're going to live it and we're going to see how to live this. And I pray that we take this um, passage, these verses, and that we take out Paul's name respectfully and focus on you. Can you be extremely selfish as we study today? Don't you love being selfish? We don't get to be often because we're mothers, we're wives, we're women. Every once in a while, we just need to stomp our feet and be selfish. Let's do that with this. And I love what Paul does at the bottom of Colossians 1 and the start of Colossians 2. It's one beautiful chunk. He uses the pronoun I frequently. And he talks specifically about himself, who he is, what he's called to do, how he's called to do it, and why he's called to do it. And then he throws in the pronoun we frequently, which makes us ask our question, who is we? And it takes us back to the top of Colossians one. And we realize Paul is writing this letter with his own hand with whom? Timothy. Timothy is listed right there in chapter one verse one. So we can look at the pronouns we and think, okay, he's talking about himself and he's talking about Timothy collectively. But then we look further down in Colossians one, and we see Epaphras is mentioned and we're like, oh, Epaphras, the pastor of Colossae of Laodicea of Heropolis is part of that we. So when he's talking about we, they're talking about these men that are all so diverse in their talents, so diverse in their callings, but they join up together and they do things as we as a team. And then we go sneak peek early into Colossians 4 and we see this whole list of people. And it makes us go back to this passage and think, I wonder if those are included in the the we. I dare say that they are. I look around this room and I think of the women that are joining us via video, via audio, and I think to myself, we are part of that we. Isn't that amazing? The fullness of God, the fullness of time that we see in Ephesians 1, that includes you and me. So oftentimes when we read letters that are written to the first century, it's still written to our century. And we are still collectively through the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, part of that we. Will you put yourself in this passage? That's the request. Colossians 1, 21 is where I want you to start your selfishness. Are you good at being selfish? I'm really good at being selfish. Christmas shows it every time. I'm still, I'm a 43-year-old woman, and I can't sleep on Christmas Eve. And it's <laughs> not that it's not that I have gotten to the point that I lay in bed eager to give my gifts to my people. I am like thinking about the presents that are, I watch my husband kind I have to go to my room before my husband puts my presents under my tree. My husband knows he's married to a child. We've been married for 20 years. He knows. He knows knows what a little child I am. I begged for my engagement ring not knowing I was begging for an engagement (laughs) ring. This is me. He's like, I have something for you. I don't know when to give it to you. So I'm like, "Um, now. And he, anyway. So Christmas Eve comes every year and every year I put my pres- his presents under the tree and he's mature and he's like, oh, uh, presents. Uh, and then I'm shooed off and my presents are put under the tree. And like an obedient child, I peek around the corner <laughs> and I lay in bed and I cannot sleep on Christmas Eve because I want to know what's under that tree. Be a child, have the faith of a child. As you read this passage, who are you? Colossians 1 21 says this, and you who were once alienated. Remember that. Who are once hostile in mind. Remember that. Who used to do evil deeds. Remember that. He, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. Remember that he wanted to present you blameless. Remember that he died on the cross so that he could present you above reproach before God, the father. Remember that. If indeed, says verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And we go back to the beginning of this letter, all of the hearing. What did you hear? You heard that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, rose again. You heard that. Did you not hear that? He says, if indeed you continue in the faith, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, and of which I, and here's where Paul starts talking about himself, became a minister. The question is, where are you in Jesus? We're talking about live, how to live Scripture. And all too often we want to live Scripture through our appearance. And we want to live scripture through our demonstration and through laying things down and not that we do it so much in pride, but we do it so much because we want to show. We want to show somebody that I know Jesus. It's like that newlywed that walks around like this always, that uses the word husband instead of, you know, Dawn. They are they lose their first name. It's husband. Oh my husband. And we do this with God and we do this so sweetly and we do this with purity and we do this with innocence. And then we forget to read our Bible and we forget to study our Bible, but we still continue in that demonstration. And we still continue wanting to live and we still continue putting on without reading our Bible. This is why we started with reading of the Bible, because if you focus on the living without the reading, all you're doing is demonstrating. As we go into this living, don't stop reading. Because if we're not reading, if it's not etched on our hearts, then anything that we perform through our living is just that. It's being a Laodicean. Let's not be a Laodicean. They read, they read the letter. I dare say they studied the letter. And then they forgot to live it. Or they forgot to reread it. They failed to study it. And they just kept on living without Jesus, for Jesus. Weird. It's weird math. It doesn't make sense. So the question is, things come at us. Life gets hard sometimes, every day. Peace leaves. Struggles come. Health issues come. Marriage issues come. Child issues come. We have things that come around us. And when those things come around us, we feel like we're away from Christ. Do you ever feel like that? When you're in the midst of the battle, when you're in the midst of the fight, when you're in the midst of the question and the wondering and the uncertainty, we feel like we're sinning and failing and we're away from the Lord. Do you ever feel that way? And you feel like, well, when I'm with my Bible, I feel good. But when I'm living my life, I feel like I need to just something that's not going with me in the day. Can this passage be your answer, your solution to that problem? We live in a society that has trained us to respond in certain ways. But the fact of the matter is you've been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, have you not? And if you have not, today is your day of salvation. This is my prayer. But if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are a new creation, correct? That's what scripture says. So in the newness of your creation, to have a response that is outside of that newness of your creation is putting on something that isn't you anymore. It's going back to what 21 was saying, being alienated again. You're responding in that old way. You're responding in that hostility that you once knew, or the hostility that the world is telling you, well, you should be mad about this, so be mad about this. Yeah. And it's what you are trained to do. But the fact of the matter is you've been trained to do otherwise because you have the mind of Christ. Retrain that. Learn that. Grow in that. So as we go through and as you claim this, that's the prayers that you claim this. And it says in 21 all over again, it says, and you, you. And I want to skip down to what Jesus did in you. He reconciled his body on the flesh of flesh by His death to present you holy. Will you write that word down? Because that is who you are. Do you see yourself as that? The answer to whatever question you have is the fact that God sees you as holy because Jesus Christ rose again and He brought you next to Jesus before God. And Jesus says, do you see my friend? She's holy. And God sees you as only holy because Jesus Christ, His eternal Son, calls you holy. Whatever label you want to put on yourself, can you take that label off and replace it with holy? Because that's who you are. He also stands there in front of His God before your God, and He says, Father, this is my friend. Do you see her as blameless? Because I died for her sin, her shame, her guilt, and I took it all. I put it on me and then I gave it away so that her sin, her shame, her guilt isn't even on me anymore. She's blameless. Next time Satan wants to come at you in your head, in your heart, in your body in temptation, you say, I'm blameless. Mm -hmm. Let your living be there. And you're like, but I need to put on. I need to put on. No, you don't. You need to live blameless. You need to see yourself blameless because if you don't see yourself as blameless and you start putting on righteousness and holiness and the armor of God, then you're going to be putting that onto your heart that feels blamed. And you're going to trip up one day and you're going to wonder why it didn't work. What's wrong with my faith? Oh, you have little faith. May I say, wherever you are, step back from that and start over as if you're a kindergarten student showing up and learning what the letter A is all over again. See yourself within your heart that you are therefore and forevermore blameless. Let that be your homework this week because that might happen this weekend that something might come into your head that might make you feel that you are not blameless. Do you think that might happen? Sometimes we get tripped up. And instead of falling, I'm curious what would happen if you declare blameless and literally stand there and see God on his throne. Go back to Revelation 4. See God on his throne, see Jesus Christ, your risen Savior on his throne and stand there blameless. See what happens with temptation is knocking on your door. Let that be your homework. Let that be the way you live scripture because it's etched on your heart. You stand there next to Jesus before the throne. And God says, God hears Jesus say, this woman, this friend, above reproach. I've always heard that phrase being mentioned for pastors, that a pastor ought to live above reproach, and they should. But so should you. Why? Jesus. And it's not that you need to demonstrate that. It's that Jesus has given that to you as your quality, as your identity above reproach. Makes you make different choices, doesn't it? It makes you want to spend a little bit more time in the Word of God, just a little bit more, because it makes me ask my question. Well, what does that mean? How am I above reproach? What does that look like in Jacqueline's life? Those are the questions I ask. What are the questions you ask? Find your answers. That's how you live scripture. He also claims words, and I pray that these sentences are what we claim during those moments where Satan comes at us, when the world wants to blind us, when we want to falter, claim these. Verse 23 says, if indeed you continue in the faith, what faith? Faith of our risen savior. So when Satan comes at you when you're ready to fall, when you're ready to fill in the blank, say out loud, I continue in the faith. Right now, in this moment, as I am where I am in this situation, I am one who continues in the faith. And I don't know what happened yesterday, and I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow can take care of itself, says Jesus. Right now, in this moment, I declare that I'm continuing in the faith. And then whatever it is you're about to say, whatever it is about you're about to hear, whatever it is you're about to do. Stop. Say these words. Declare this truth. Is this your truth? Do you continue in the faith? If you don't continue in the faith, don't you dare say it. But is this your truth? If it's your reality, say it. And the more you say it, the more you'll stand taller, the more you'll live it, and it'll be a natural progression of the Word of God in you. And you're not even trying to live it. All you're doing is proclaiming what you know. And what you know is life is hard, but I'm continuing in the faith. Mm. And that alone gives you the power to identify with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He also says that if you continue in the faith stable, are you stable? It's a fun answer. I wonder how many of us heard the word stable and thought of our mental state. (laughs) Seriously, our mental state. Do you hear stable and connect that together? Do you think of your emotional thought processes when you hear the word stable? Do you go to your finances and fear starts to abound? You think of your job situation, your husband's job situation, your grandchild's job situation, and all of a sudden you're veered, your prayer life goes, and you start thinking about stability. Here, Paul is saying before God, I'm stable in Him. This word has nothing to do about anything else but you and Jesus. Are you stable in Jesus? But yesterday, I'm not talking about yesterday. Tomorrow, I'm not talking about tomorrow. Right now, this very moment, whatever time it is, are you stable in Jesus? Yeah. Proclaim it. Verbally out loud, I am stable in Jesus. Things are falling. I am not. I will not be shaken. My foundation is sure. Say it out loud. The next word is steadfast. We see steadfast, and perhaps that is the study you need to do this week. Is what does steadfast mean? What does it mean? What is what does the word mean? You could look it up in the old Webster's dictionary. Oh girlfriend help right there. Don't go to anything new, please. <coughs> go to the old original Webster's dictionary. That old one's allowed is online anything new is going to twist words. Side note, what does steadfast mean? What does the word mean? Also, what does it look like in you? Also, what does it look like in God? The word steadfast is connected to God a couple of times in the book of Psalms. Go to your You version, put in steadfast, click the book Psalm and do a study. What does God's steadfast love look like? Do you know his love is in you? Therefore, what does God's love, steadfast love look like in you? Not the person next to you, not the person you're married to. You. What does that look like? Today, what does that look like? See it, proclaim it, steady that, ask your questions, see that, believe that. Perhaps that's your homework this week. He also says that we're not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Maybe and perhaps you just have to go back to the eternal salvation of Jesus Christ. And you say, but I've been saved for this many years. Good. Do you remember what Jesus did for you on the cross? Have you ever met a Christian that got saved so long ago, but they forgot to remember Jesus? I got to talk to a woman. Her name was Linda. I just met her randomly at a coffee shop the other day. She comes up to me, my Bible is open. She's holding her Bible and she's like, What are you studying? I said, Colossians. And she says, Biggest smile on her face. She says, That is my favorite book. I've been trying to memorize it for a long time. I'm halfway through chapter three, she says. Hmm. So I ask her her salvation story. She tells me her salvation story. She got saved when she was 25. She's no longer 25. The way that she disgu- discussed with her encounter when she met her friend Jesus—it was as if she met Jesus yesterday, and she's like, "Can I tell you about Jesus? I just met this guy. His name's Jesus. He died, and like, there was so much passion in this woman who was my senior, who had been saved for decades, and it was like she just met Jesus. Maybe you just need to stop." and spend time with your Savior. Spend time with Jesus. Remember the gospel that you heard. Paul finishes this line in verse 23 by saying because of all of this, because of Jesus, because of Jesus in me, he says, I, Paul, became a minister. My question for you, for all of us today is, what is your sentence? How would you finish that line? I could, and this isn't going to be shocking to you because we get to study Scripture together every week. But I could say, I, Jacqueline, because of Jesus, because of Jesus in me, I, Jacqueline, became a teacher. That's what I get to do. I am not good at a lot of things, a lot of things. <laughs> it is evident all the time. But one thing I do know I can do is I can teach scripture. And I do not say that with boastfulness or pride. It's, it's Jesus in me. And when I don't get to teach, I'm empty. There's a, it hurts almost when I don't get to do this. I was talking to a girlfriend uh, recently and she's like, and she knows what I was going through. And she says, I don't know how you just continue teaching through all of this health issue. Says this woman who is going through quite the season, who has continued faithfully in everything God has equipped her and called her and is faithful to do in her throughout this whole season. And I said to her the same thing. I don't know how you, continue to do what you do during this season of life. And she says, I don't know what I would do without that. If I had to do what this friend of ours does, I would have been drained and empty and shamed and guilty. And every time I had to call in and be like, I'm not coming. She would say the same thing about having to sit in this chair because God has given us different gifts, different callings. And he's faithful to do through us when all we do is say, yes, because of Jesus, because of Jesus in Paul, Paul became a minister of the gospel that he heard because of Jesus and Jesus in me. I became a teacher of the gospel that I heard because of Jesus and Jesus in you, you became a what because of the gospel that you heard. What would you put on that line? Stand in that truth. Know who you are. Proclaim that. Live that. There is so much more that could come out of verses 24 down to chapter 2, verse 5. Can you write those down? Because I want to give us all homework this week. Is that fair? Do you love me for that? Colossians 1:24 all the way to chapter two, verse five. My prayer is that each and every one of us will read it. Read it again. Read it one more time. Pull out your questions, whether it's a, from a sheet of paper or from your own heart, from your own mind, ask your questions about you in this passage. Who are you? Why are you? What are you doing with Jesus in you? And who are you doing it for? Ask your questions. Steady those. And then pray and proclaim with your mouth how you can live that starting on your knees before the throne. Just there. Just there. Live it on your knees before the throne. Not for others to see, but for Jesus to see it in you fair enough. It's Colossians 1. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Father God, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so big and you are so in love with us. How you created us all so uniquely and so individually and so perfectly and so beautifully just blows me away. It's so sweet to be part of your plan And it's so abundantly sweet to be connected with women, with a team of women that are part of this we of Scripture that get to live for you because of Jesus, because of Jesus in us. Oh, that we won't forget, that we won't even walk near the line of the Laodiceans, but that we will conquer because we have ears to hear, Then we have mouths to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. In the midst of the congregation, we will proclaim your name. Lord, go before us. Hold us together in your hands. Open our eyes to who we are, that we are holy, that we are blameless, that we are above reproach, and we are called and equipped to be who you've called and equipped us to be. We thank you. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for equipping us. We pray that you will show it even deeper to us so we can root ourselves even more in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for all these things. It is in his name we pray and we say, amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI online. If you need prayer, Contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.